I'm Dan Broskell. And I'm Dave Geller. And we are the co-hosts of What Do We Know? What Do We Know is a free-range podcast dealing with wellness, education, sports, personal stories, and more from two guys who know a lot about certain things, but not a lot about others. Your hosts are Dan Broskell, a longtime educator, compulsive runner, and father of five. And Dave Geller, a pediatrician with three kids and an amazing Maine accent. All right, everybody, it's Sunday, April 26th, 2020, episode 23, Dave, I think, of, of What Do We Know? So happy 23rd podcast. But this, if there was going to be a pinnacle, Dave, I think today we have reached the peak of the podcast because after what feels like about a month of wrangling, we're going to be joined by the one and only hometown girl, Suzanne Kohler. Suzanne, how are you doing today? I am good. And you guys are funny. I mean, I've been here waiting for weeks for you guys to finally get me on. So, you know, it's it's been tricky, but I'm excited. So thank you. What what a big intro. Well, yeah, I, mean, we, I think you, we've you I think it. we've been um I think we've uh, been chasing you for a while. You're a busy person. Finally, you slowed down just enough for, for us to to get you on. This is a yeah, so this is Lucky Twenty Three now, like right. This is a Lucky Twenty Third podcast with the big Hi. Suzanne. So before before we talk about your prolific uh, you know career and life you made in Bedford, I want we're gonna do a little trivia. So do you remember Suzanne the first time we met? Oh, heavy. This is going way way back. I there's something to do with like your 800 kids. I'm guessing. Wrong, wrong. You got to think back. You got to think back to the year that we were in high school. The prom? What's the prom with Rebecca? No, no, no. Uh, uh, Amy Lushin. So we met. And didn't realize it at the Bedford High School prom in '96. I went as Amy Leshen's emergency last-minute date. I think it was the Double Tree. Yes, it and was. Like, I'm like, who are these people? No. I'm like, I had a great time just hanging out and having a good time. It was at the Weston and Waltham. Are you sure about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I trust you. Yeah. Class of '96. Um, wow, that was. I mean, and how lucky are we? We got to have our prom and graduation and all that stuff that kids today can't have. So, I mean, we both look exactly the same as we I, did. I, I would say you look the same, and I don't. And I, was going to... I think that, and then the second time we met was at the, um, it was in March of like, I think 2015 over at the Tuscan kitchen at the kickoff for the pan mass kids. Oh, you really want to talk about that? I don't want to talk about everything. I just remember that we had, we had, we had a nice time talking that night and you and I both really? know the, the broader context of that evening. So that was a good time. Um, can I just, can I, I was, we can be totally honest on this thing, right? Like nobody's going to get mad right now. I'm just going to listen so you can say whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) That night was pretty epic because I got shut off that night. Did you know that? I I do know that, yes. (laughs) And I was so mad because my husband, who's usually like my number one critic, was like, you weren't weren't even bad. But nobody, it was like this big auction member and nobody was doing on things. So I took it upon myself to, to like, I was trying to get the crowd going and I didn't think I was any worse off than anybody else. But there was a wicked young bartender, and he he was so rude to me. So for many years, I was like Tuscan Kitchen, you're dead to me. I took it really personally. And but, you know, as an impartial observer, it, it was a little ridiculous. And uh, that place that does kind of suck. Sorry, but that's okay. And then I and then I think Dave, I think I think I remember the night that you and you that Dave Geller and Suzanne Kohler met. That was probably the Bedford Education Foundation bash in February of 2019 or 18. Is that correct? 
yes, it was. I remember that super well. That was a much, um, much better night for me, anyways. Um, thanks to you. But yeah, that that was. I love the BEF. Always does such a an amazing job. And that was the um, like the Roaring Twenties. I yeah. don't know, I forget what the exact theme was, but it was super fun because there was so much you know to do that night. Everybody was dressed up, looking amazing. Mm. And I remember Dan. You were like you. You have to meet him and you introduced me and Dr. Geller and I've heard about this man he's like a legend you know and I can't believe we hadn't met before so I really appreciate it because I got to say we've become really good friends and you know we've got some other cool stuff that we're working on um, and it's been awesome so thanks for having that faith in me I hope I didn't let you down Dave's like oh thanks for the intro oh god no, it was um you know, Dan's Dan's been a great friend of mine and a great contact and, and he's really been great introducing me to wonderful people in the area and, and um, a, a great segue to some new relationships that I formed that was a that was a fun night um, and, and I remember after meeting you and knowing Dan I'm like you know it, it, it's like the triumvirate you know of, uh, of Bedford people well, myself excluded I don't live in Bedford Bedford, you know, um, but so you guys are the best of Bedford, right? And uh, I, I'm interested in this in this um, shutting off at the Tuscan kitchen. Like, what does it take? What does it? So, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I have I have the um, I have the um, infamy of being escorted out of Fenway Park once. Um, so and that, and that that took some doing. Um, so and that was in medical school, but I won't go, go there right now. Well, no, so you, you're, we're going there immediately. Were you were you like uh, were you fighting or were you just like yeah. anxious? You know me, I'm always up for something. No, it was I was it was actually no. Let's okay. So it was it was it was a med school outing. Um, it was after one of our, our big uh, week of finals. Yeah. And actually, the whole I I'd probably say you know half the students and a lot of the faculty all <laughs> we all got tickets to a uh, to a Red Sox game we were in the bleachers. Um, and you know, we're letting off some steam and I was, I was with my buddies. I, I mentioned a lot, like, you know, Chris Godek and Mark Doherty who have gone into, you know, bigger and better things, um, as well. And yeah, I, I, I was asked to leave, I'd say by some security of people. Um, okay, so what, what were you doing? Were you like, were you like belligerent or like swearing or like, or like, yeah, I, was having, I, was, I was, I was a little bit, I was, I was having a good time. We'll you were happy? Down. A little too happy? Dave Keller, happy. what is going on, man? Well, at least excited. you weren't arrested. At least you weren't arrested. I was not arrested. I was just, um, you know, so we, we went on to other things that night. But anyway, oh. Suzanne Kohler, so it could have been what, what gets you shut off? <laughs> I'm going to tell you that story, and then I'm going to tell you a quick Fenway story, too. Um, so, no, that, that's what I don't understand at that, that night because, again, like, I wasn't – like a mean drunk I wasn't to me I, I remember like running around the room being like come on come on they had some um you know quasi famous um local newscaster David Wade maybe or something that was trying to like get the bidding going no it was it was the, it was the it was the weather guy the, the weather guy the weather guy yeah the, the auction it was so forced though if you remember and, like, right, and, and everybody was like nobody was paying yeah, yeah. attention and I was like come on guys so I was like you know, kind of being like Susie Sunshine running around the room. And then I remember going to get a drink and the kid had to be all of like 18 years old. And he was like, I'm sorry, I can't serve you anymore. And I remember being like, what? Like, and, and the thing is, the people I was with, I will not name names. I felt like we're definitely, you know, more down the road than I was. And like, you know, we'd all had taken Ubers. We're all being responsible. And it was like, I just remember being like so insulted. And then my friends kept trying to get me drinks. It just became this whole thing. And then I got mad. Like then I was like, yeah, so so to this day, I still I I think I've maybe gone there once since, and you know, I'm sure they were trying to do the right thing, but it's like, what's the saying? Like you know, like seek first to understand, right? So if if I was like, hey, I'm gonna go get in my car and drive, absolutely, like you know, keep me under control. But it wasn't like I was 
sitting there doing shot after shot and, and going to get in my car. I was just trying to get the crowd going, you know? So you have, you have a lot of energy. We know that, which is great. You bring it to everything you do. But just, just I'm just wondering how many nicknames you may have and, and who, who has dubbed you Susie Sunshine? I'm interested in that one. Um, my team, and I think, I think most of the time it comes with love, but sometimes they're like, oh, God, like there she goes again because sometimes I'm – almost optimistic to a fault and I don't think about the you know like the reality of things um but you know sometimes too I just I mean I don't want to jinx myself but I think sometimes it's you know it's like some luck and just some you know putting your mind in the right place and I don't know but yeah so that's what that's what they that's what they call me all right so you, we just okay. at the Tuscan kitchen they call, they, they call you shut sh shut her off Susie. <laughs> It's like the garbage pail kids. Remember those things? Oh man, yeah, of course I do. And like a crazy Susie. But I have a quick Fenway story for you too because I was at one of those playoff games. Remember? I feel like it was like the year after the mar or the year of the marathon bombing. Maybe I can't quite remember. But do you remember when there was that crazy catch and it was out in like right field and then they have the policeman going like that and like the guy yeah, yeah. like flying over. So. I was at that game. You were not at that game. I was. Oh, that's that's Dave Ortiz and, and Tori Hunter yeah. leaping over the fence. Oh, yeah. man, it was five one. It was five five. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And the oh. guys in front of us were heckling us. They were whatever team we were playing. I, I forget. Tigers. The Tigers. The Tigers. Yeah, yeah. So they kept turning around and heckling us and being like so rude. And I was getting like madder and madder. So when that happened, I, I with all my might, I pushed the guy, and he basically like flew over the seat, and he was like. Turned around, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was just like that moment of, like, ah, like, see, buddy? And then he turned around, and I was like, oh, my God. And he was like, who pushed me? Who pushed me? And I sat there for a minute, and finally I was like, it was me. And I was like, I'm sorry. And, and like, it, it, it was bad. It was So if anybody was going to get kicked out of Fenway, it probably would have been me. And I, Oh, I, I wish you had, though, in some ways. I wish you had, you know. We've been shushed so many times at Fenway. Like people, are like you know, and I'm like, this isn't a library. Like, but apparently we talk too much to, you know. Oh boy, well they would have been put Suzanne on like who 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 are we going to the next Red Sox game with? We're bringing Kohler, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> better. I hope it started again. It would yeah, have been great if they had if they had got that on uh, footage like that like that um that pizza throwing incident we were talking about before Dan oh right my if, God. if they if they had we had the, the seventh anniversary of pizza or whatever it was of throwing the pizza at the foul ball yeah, yeah. that's hysterical I bet somewhere there's there's B roll footage of Suzanne knocking out this big tiger fan somewhere <laughs> oh my gosh it was, it was one of those moments I was like both proud and horrified of myself because like it could have gone it could have gone downhill like we could have had a fight you know but I was like oh like. But it was. I feel like when uh, it was a very reactive moment, and I feel like I feel listen, like there's there. Listen, there's something to be said for like a feisty, you know, girl with a Boston accent, like causing problems somewhere. Like you belong in some kind of movie with that role. You deserved know? it. Like he, yeah, yeah. he was so obnoxious. So it was like that. I was like, how do you like me now? And then I was like, oh, like you don't know your own strength. Oh my god, this, that, that is that's the best story we've heard in the pod. I think. Could be ever other than well, Ben Shaw's walk up song to Dancing Queen. That's probably the number two to, to the Kohler's Fenway altercation. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Suzanne, so that first of all, we'll, we'll come back to some of the stuff as we head through the pod. Um, awesome. For the folks that might not know you, and, and Dave, you know, we're, we're not going to undersell. You are a Bedford icon. Um, you know, you're, you're upbringing in town. You know, you're successful, you know, business now in town. So, talk about 
you know, grow up in town. Um, what, what brought you back and what you're doing now? And when you say your team, like who are you talking about and what do you do specifically? You know? Well, thank you. And yeah, so I grew up in, uh, in Bedford when Davis was K through five and Lane was K through five and there was cows in my backyard. So it was a little bit different. Um, and then I don't know, I've always, I just never could imagine leaving. So I was like that, you know, kind of Bedford nerd, even in college, I would come home for Bedford day and I would just come home like whenever I could. And I was very lucky because a lot of my, I ended up at UMass Amherst. It's a long story, but, um, graduated from there. And a lot of my friends from Bedford were there. So it was kind of like, I, you know, I kind of tried to leave and then, you know, I just didn't like it. I didn't like leaving. So when I went to UMass, I would hang out with a lot of Bedford kids. Um, and then I was very lucky that right after college, I was able to come back here um, and we bought the building where, so I own a real estate company, Susanna Company, um, right? That we, My husband and I bought this building right across from the town common. Um, we bought it from my parents. My mom had a little antique store here. She bought it from um, Bruce and Dottie Blake. And it always needed a ton of work. So I was like, basically the whole upstairs of it hadn't been touched in like probably 50 or 60 years back then. It was all like all the plaster was falling off. It was a big, big hot mess. So my my parents were going to retire and move to the Cape. So Ryan and I were like, we'll buy it off you for basically like, you know, a little bit more than they paid for it. And they've gotten a good deal. But it, you know, when you look back on it, it needed so much work, like any old house. So it wasn't really a deal, but whatever. Um, anyway, so we got a variance. We were super young. We got a variance to make an apartment upstairs. So a lot of people don't realize that, that we own this building and we had lived up here since we were like 23, 24 years old. And we're like always constantly trying to fix it. And, you know, it was crazy. So anyway, so that's kind of how we were able to come back to town at a young age um, and been here ever since and feel very lucky that we have a 12 year old daughter um, June and a seven-year-old son Wes so we're you know love raising our kids here um, and I have yeah there's I think 13 of us on our team right now so happens to all be women just the way it worked out so girl power so so, <laughs> yeah, I, so, so we talked we, we talked a little bit about um you know our college years right with UMass Dan and I both went to Brandeis and Dan and I were lucky enough to both be in fraternities at Brandeis right I was in Sigma Alpha Mu and Woo. Dan was an A.E. Pi, you know, and we got a lot of flack sometimes at Brandeis, especially that it was an all-male organization, you know, a fraternal organization. What would it take for me and Dan to get on your team at Suzanne and Co? Sorry. You have to be like Danielle and Davida. It'd be like Tom Hanks and, and Peter Scalari and Bosom Buddies, right? We have to pull that off. Yeah, or like Mrs. Doubtfire or something, you know? Yeah. Um, um, but if I'm- it wasn't per. It I just because people always ask us this, but it wasn't by design. Like we didn't set out to be. Like, we're going to be this like all woman woman company. And it's funny because people that know me pretty well, like you know, I feel like you guys might agree. But you know, like getting into fights at Fenway and whatever, I'm kind of more of a dude. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's the title of this podcast, by the way. I'm kind, kind of more of a dude. <laughs> Um, but I think a lot of the like, people on my team are kind of the same way. Like we're just, we just, you know, we, we do our thing. A lot of people assume, oh, that's a big flock of women. There must be drama and all this stuff. But there's really, for the most part, not. I mean, things pop up here and there. But, you know, we're really big on trying to keep a strong culture here and, you know, just be just be doing our thing and being busy and all that. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't like we set out to do this, but now that it is, 
this thing, it's kind of cool. And I think we get a little bit different respect, I like to think anyways, from people because they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, it's all women and you all look out for each other and, you know, awesome. you're busy. So it's good. Was, I, I would take you and Becky Venuti in a fight against most guys. So, like, no, full respect to your capabilities regardless of gender. Excuse me. Um, you must include Maureen on this. All right, my bad. No, no, so there's a video at one of these Red Sox outings of her and I trying to arm wrestle at, uh, I think we're at the, what's that place, Standard, uh, um, it's right near Fenway, Standard Kitchen or the famous Oh, place. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Standard. We were outside yeah. Eastern Standard and I made the mistake of being like, I can take Maureen on an arm wrestling and it was like this. See you later. I just <laughs> literally kicked my butt. So I would put, she will be our stand-in. Because some serious, you know what? Yeah. And I, th I think you told me, you know, that from a very young age, Suzanne, like you knew that you wanted to sell houses and you like give the fake house tours when you were a kid <laughs> because you were like, this is what I'm going to do. Is that is that myth true? Is that what happened? Did you know it, like early it, on, like that's what I want to do in my life? Yeah. It, I mean, we'll put it this way. I didn't, I didn't, I always loved it. And yes, those stories are all true. I didn't necessarily think that that was like what I was going to do, but when I was a kid, we were always lucky to have a little place down the Cape. So we would spend the summers down there and I would literally like collect all these some of those little real estate books before, you know, the interweb yeah. and I would collect those and I had a little pink phone and I had a little desk in my room and I would, I, I, I my parents gave me all the stuff. Like I'd be, my maiden name was Schmall. So it would say like Schmall real estate and I would ride my bikes to open houses and just go in on my own and chat up the realtors. <laughs> so, and then, but you know, then fast forward. So yes, I've always had a passion for it. Um, but then fast forward, like back then, especially wasn't, it wasn't like a career that was talked about, right? It wasn't yep. like, Oh, you're going to go to school for this. There wasn't a major for real estate. Um, so this is where, you know, Dave and I really connected because I love restaurants and I went to school at UMass for HRTA, which is the hospitality restaurant and uh, hotel major and I thought that was going to be my my passion and my calling um until some friends own restaurants were like hey FYI that sucks <laughs> really hard I mean well uh, the thing is it, the advice I got from from very some from some very wise people then was like you know, if you want to own a restaurant, if your sous chef calls in, like you are the sous chef. And as people that know me will tell you, I cannot cook to save my life. So I love the hospitality and the entertainment and all of that side of it. But it's interesting because I feel like I've sort of segued that into real estate. Like I joke around that, yes, I love real estate. I absolutely am obsessed with, you know, with homes and architecture and all these relationships. But my favorite part is that we get to have these huge client parties and, you know, do the beer garden at the office and all that kind of stuff. So and, and my grandfather was in real estate in New Jersey um, up until the year I was born, ironically. But he was always huge on hospitality. So if you went to visit them and you stayed at a hotel, he would go to the hotel before you and, you know, stock your fridge and put all these things out and just make you feel like super welcome. Um, so it's, you know, I think there is hospitality and everything that we all do. And, um, it's, that's been kind of fun to, to do both of that, but yeah, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go through like my teen years thinking, Oh, I was going to get into real estate. Um, but it just, it happened and it happened. I was still in college when I got my license. So I feel, I consider myself really lucky that I was able to get into it at a young age. And my, I had, my parents were like, yeah, that's as long as you have a job and you're doing something <laughs> We support you. So that was nice.
you know, I think it's, you know, there's so many things that you just, you just ran through. And, and if I can go through a few of them is, you know, you've surrounded yourself. Again, I keep talking about this with various people on the, on the, on the podcast. You surround yourself with amazing people, you know, and I won't even list the, their names for fear of leaving some of them out, but just that you're surrounded by amazing um, people, not just women, right? But just amazing people in your office and they and they all bring their game and you inspire them every day. It's interesting too. Like I was talking to my daughters, um, who are a senior in a sophomore in college, you know, about their majors and what they want to do with their life. And I said, you know, you really need to follow, you know, your passion, right? And I think as we, as I mean, I'm a little older than probably everybody on this podcast right now, but when you reach a certain point in your life, you look back and you say, Dan's nodding his head. Um, you look back and you say, you know, make sure you're doing what you really enjoy doing and it's trite, you know? And I, and I, for example, like I, I like there's these cookie cutter jobs you could do maybe, right? You could be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher maybe, but, but, they're not cookie cutter if, if it's really what you want to do, right? It, it fulfills what your desire is, what your passion is. And what you do, I mean, realtors are sell, I mean, you're selling houses. There are a lot of you out there, right? But you, I, I see you, you as like building in your team, building a community at like one sale at a time, right? You are, you are, you are um, making people happy, you know, putting them on their life paths. But especially in Bedford, right? Every sale you make, I think, makes this community better. You know the people that you bring in. I think it's 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 your it's your passion, right? It's your passion. You, you say hospitality, right? It's 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 not it's it, you're providing a service, but it's just not a service business, right? You're you're creating these relationships and you're creating this community. So that's so awesome, and and thank you. Yeah, and and it's, and it's funny because that's like the like the purpose of our team um, is to build to build a better future for people, and it doesn't just mean like you know people in our team or people you know, Kind of, are you getting that background? Or yeah, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> me in stereo. But yeah, but that's that. I love that you said that because that's what it is. It's to build a better future for everybody, right? And if that means, you know, we can inspire somebody or we can, you know, really help. Because that's why I always tell my sellers too. I'm like, well, people are home shopping. They might be looking in like five different communities. But if we're like that ambassador that's at an open house and we can just talk very candidly with somebody and we can introduce them to the town and, you know, give them the flavor of it and it, it draws them to it. That's awesome. If not, you know, that's, that's fine too. But I, I appreciate that you notice that because I think that has been a huge thing of ours is to, um, you know, be that sort of spokesperson for the town, if you will, or the ambassador or whatever. And it's amazing. It's, it is, it's all about the relationships. It's been a very, very cool thing. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I think you know, when Dave talks about what makes, him as a practitioner and the people that work with him unique. And when I think about what makes you and your and your people unique, um, it's all the same thing. Like if you don't love people and people don't see you as authentic, like you're not going to be successful uh, as a teacher, as a realtor, as a pediatrician. I think uh, I would say all three of us humbly, you know, really believe in, in people and relationships and authenticity and, and just really enjoy the process of going through making those connections and, and your role, you know, you know, bringing you, you are literally, creating Bedford, you know, one sale at a time. So my, my question for you just from a I've been here for 13 years. You've been here for, for more than that. You know, you've been selling homes here for a while. You know, what's changing as you sort of narrate people through the Bedford story, you know, you know, when you first started versus, you know, 2020, are you saying the same things? Are you saying different things? Are the kinds of people coming here the same or different? Like what, what's, what's your take on that? That's a great question. And I think it's, I mean, I always say Bedford's definitely changing. 
Um, I try to embrace the change because I think like one thing that's concerned me in town is that it's almost like the old school Bedford and the new school Bedford and people being at odds with, with each other a little bit, which makes me sad. But that's I think the reality of change is that some people just fight it right no matter what, because it's it's the unknown. Um, but I think at the, at the heart of it all, as I say, like it is a, like my I had this tagline for it. I'm like, it's a it's a small town with a huge heart. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, trust me, like if, if you need something like this is a community that's not, that's going to rally around you and they can do it discreetly. They can do it openly, like whatever it takes, but it really is a community and it's a small town. So when I'm talking to people at open houses and whatnot, I'm like, you know, we are so lucky because most of these small towns and it's, you know, they do their thing and it's great as well, but you know, they tend to, at least when it comes to the high school, um, team up with another town. So it becomes more regional, right? So it's like you have a couple of small towns or when you go a little bit further west, it can be even three or four. And then it's just not quite the same. It's harder maybe to get to know people and to have that small town feel when you have a more regional high school. So in Bedford, it's Bedford. And luckily, like my parents came here in 72. Um, and they love the fact that even in 72, they felt that it was very diverse. They felt like there's kids from Hanscom, there's kids from Metco, there's just, there's always people coming and going from Bedford. So even though it is a small town that can feel kind of static, um, like right now I have friends that live in Japan and, you know, Florida and Germany and a lot of my friends that, um, I met through Hanscom back in the, my, 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 uh, high school years here. So it is, it is pretty diverse for for a small town. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's changing. I think there's more, you know, maybe some more wealth here than has ever been. Um, but this is the story. This is a true story that I tell at my open houses too. I say, you know, j just like most of Massachusetts, we are highly educated. If you look at our stats, right? Um, we are very highly educated. There is a lot of, um, you know, wealth in town and coming to town, but it's like not cool to show it off. Right. So um, there's a story and I won't name any names, but somebody for years had been coaching soccer alongside another dad. And it was like they never talked about work. They just talked about the kids and, the, you know, this and that and family and soccer and all this. And then finally, at one point, they're like, oh, what do you do for work, by the way? And the other dad was like, oh, I'm CEO of this certain company that's very well known, but it like wasn't cool to talk about it. You know, he had to the other, I had to almost like dig it out of him. And I don't know. So to me, that's what's really neat about Bedford and what, you know, a lot of, again, I'm, I, I'm a very open book, but, you know, we had a really hard loss last week. We lost my father-in-law on Monday from complications from COVID. And my husband, like, he really loves Bedford. He's not from here. He's, they moved around a lot as a kid. So he didn't have like the same kind of Bedford you know, long-term upbringing that I had in a small town and he definitely likes it. But, but after this week, he, I would say he absolutely loves it because he's like, Oh my God, like to the people that are reaching out and the relationships that we've made as a family here, we have such good friends and they're just good people. Like they're just good hearted people. And I like to think that that's what is attracted to Bedford because we're not number one, like we're not top school system in the state. Um, so if that's the only thing that drives people, I'm like, I'm sorry, like that we're, you know, we're not going to be something that we're not. We have a very, very strong school system. I like to say and like to believe that people value like the whole child and the whole person here. Right. So it's like, yes, academics are important. But to your point, like, what's your passion? Are you into music? 
do you like theater? Do you like sports? You know, there's, there's a lot of, it's about the whole person, not just like what their test scores are, right? And there was a famous story, and somebody could maybe verify this, but I, I believe it was class of 93 in Bedford had like more kids to go to Harvard from one small town, and maybe that's been broken since, but there was like many, many um, seniors that went to Harvard that year from this one small town because I, I like to think it was because of that, right? They were like, wow, not only are you extremely intelligent, but you're, you know, doing stuff in your community and you have all these other interests. And, you know, I think people get so lost in the test scores and all that. And it's like, that's ultimately, that's not important, but it's hard to tell people that when that's the only gauge that they have. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, my role in school committee, and I've been here for less, less time than you, Suzanne, but I would say absolutely you're right. And I think, you know, you talk about old Bedford and new Bedford. I just think about, you know, people choose Bedford, I do think, for a reason, you know. Um, if people want a certain kind of experience, they're going to buy a house in Lexington, right, and mm -hmm. have expectations built into that purchase. And I think in Bedford, I'm looking at you, Dave, but not disparagingly, I think we're saying absolutely, like, we aren't going to test and achieve at all costs. Right. And that is rare. In the surrounding towns, I would say you will not always find that. And that that a little bit, el element of a little bit less stress and a little bit more love really defines how I approach the work that we do with kids in the community, saying, how does school work in the context of a town which cares about all of its citizens, from the preschoolers to the aged, in a town that's run responsibly and isn't just spending and spending? And um, you know, I think there's still a really lovely balance here of all those things. It'll be challenged, I think, if a recession comes, Suzanne, and that's going to hit everybody in, in some ways. But I think the values that you described are absolutely the values that I espouse and believe in. People that find their way to Bedford generally kind of see that. And your comment about wealth that's kind of not known and concealed, I would say, is what has been my experience also. You actually wouldn't know. Um, in other towns, you, you, you may actually be, you know, it might be in your face a little bit more. So I love where we are. It's a small town in a, real, in a really densely populated area, and we're very lucky to be here. And, um, you know, the smartest thing I ever did besides marrying my wife was move to Bedford. So it's all good. So I'm just going to jump in and, um, you know, just, to, you know, being in Lexington and loving Lexington. Um, and Jen and I both growing up in a small town in Auburn, right, Maine, and coming here and feeling like this is our home now and feeling really connected here. And one thing about these communities in general, whether it's Lexington or Bedford, I can speak to those well, you know, like you said, with, you know, Ryan's your loss and actually Dan and I send our condolences with that you know men say it's a sad, very sad time um so these communities are really good right it's the connections and actually we're seeing that even more now right with um everybody being quarantined and being connected in different ways but yeah I love Lexington um and it's been good for my family but yeah there are pressures here right and um Bedford as I think they're, they're growing they're trickling everywhere but Bedford has done a nice job I think kind of um maintaining its course you know and and, and Suzanne met my met Jenna at that first BEF event and Jen's like always saying and Dan knows this I wouldn't mind moving to Bedford you know she knows like Jen, but, but Bedford we're trying this, we're trying has this, has, 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 has this um has this you know, you know this special place in many people's hearts um and also I'm going to say you know I know that you know Bedford may be you know Bedford's ranks are only going to go up in terms of the, the school rankings with all the work that Dan Brosco is doing on the school. Oh, you stop it. A word of caution. I mean, um, there are people who obsess about rank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really and uh, I care about it. And it's like, but it's number 10 on a list of 10 things oh, yeah. that I well, report because it's, it's very clear. Like you can do certain things to artificially inflate your school's ranking. You could say to 
10th, 11th graders, we're not going to let you take AP classes because you might not get a four or a five. And we only want kids taking AP classes who are going to get a four or a five because that will allow our scores to increase. In some towns, I'm not saying Lexington, Dave, that's not what I'm saying. We'll actually do that, right? Some towns will oh, say, I get it. some towns will change the date that they can drop a class to make sure that kids are changing early and not trying it so that they won't get a lower grade so their class rank might not, might not go down. So in the context, and I think I mentioned this in a previous pod, like when we've asked the superintendent candidates, like, you know, give us some feedback about how we could do better, they would say like, well, here's how I could do that in, in like, you know, in like rankings area, but you wouldn't want me to because that's not how Bedford works. And that's exactly right. Like we don't want to have a place where only the high flyers are going to be flying. You know what I mean? Like we want that, of course, but like let's give access to challenge to all these kids, see what happens. And I would do that 10 times out of 10 versus moving from number 12 to number eight without and, even blinking, you know? And, and, I, and I do want to say that I'm not, I'm not trying to hold Bedford to Lexington. That's not the case. Lexington is wonderful. But having worked at Newton for 20 years, like I've, I've seen how that crucible of stress and expectation is just not good for kids' mental health. Um, and I'd much rather be here than there. Well, just going to say, not to not to get off of the um, yeah. Suzanne and Co. track here, well, but, but it's, I think it's really important. What you said, Dan, is extremely important, and that's the downfall of the courses of some of these towns, including Lexington, um, in terms of the track they're going. And, you know, I think that if, you know, you know, people move into towns like this just for the schools and not for the community, possibly, and that's the wrong, I think, you know, when Jen and I moved here, you know, I, I hope that we brought, you know, a little bit more of a humble, you know, a humble, you know, groundingness, and we more, we need we need more of that in these towns. I always joked with Jen that you know, when we got married, before we moved to Lexington, Lexington, that we should move to Wellesley just to kind of shake it up a little bit, right? You know, just just <laughs> you no, know, no, no, just bring bring some, you know, reality to it. And I think that Bedford has that, and I think that I hope that people can afford um, to come to towns like ours, um, and just 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 for the town itself, not just for the school system. And yeah, so, anyway, so I, I agree. But it's a challenge though, right? Because say, you know, and like, this is one thing that's changed, right? Let's talk about what's changed. It's like people, and I and I, I think this is super cool, but people are moving here from all over the world, all over the country. Like it's become this whole different thing. And you know, that it's really hard because you can't give the flavor of a town online. Like we probably do these like little videos and this and that, but you know, so, so then the people buying homes are left to look at school rankings, right? Because and yeah. that, is. I mean, like, make no mistake, it is for real estate, it is super important. So, and I commend Bedford for, you know, anytime there's a thing coming up at the schools, you know, it's like almost unanimous at town meeting that people are like, yes, like we believe in our schools, you know, we need to fund this, we need to keep it going. But it's really tricky because, of course, that's the first thing people go to is, you know, yeah. what are the school rankings and you have to kind of balance it out. And, you know, and I'll tell people, like, hey, like, what's important to you? might be different than what's important to me, you know, and, and you can't take what I'm saying as gospel because, I mean, make no mistake, I mean, Lexington's an amazing community, Concord, Carlisle, they've got a beautiful new high school over there, um, you know, we, we are in this area where we're one of many towns that's always in that, you know, that top 20, and people love them for all different reasons, right, so some people might look at Bedford and be like, oh, it's way too small, and you know, it's, it's not for us. And it's like, that's totally cool. Like you do your thing and we'll do ours. And, and I was joking with someone the other day, I forget what I was, um, who I was talking to, but it was someone from not around here. And I was like, you know, New England's so funny because, you know, we're also, uh, what's the, what's the word, um, provincial, 
right? It's like we're 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 like Lexington's right there, but it, it could be like a world away because we all kind of keep in our little bubbles. Yep. And sometimes that's not so good. Oh, I know. I was talking to. I interviewed this really cool guy, Derek Blackburn. That um, he has a a whole studio, a music studio, in his house here in Bedford. And we were talking about the fact that. If you look at like this greater community, you go up to Lowell and there's like ridiculous amounts of amazing art and music and all this culture going on. And, you know, Concord has um, a really awesome um, place. I always forget the name of it. But anyways, but I would love to see Bedford. I mean, we have such a great community of, of artists and musicians here, but maybe that's one of the challenges of a smaller town. We don't have like a huge art center here because we're a small town, right? So it's like if we if we can take that small town flavor, but then look at how we can, you know, move outside of that a little bit and join forces with some other, um, oh, the umbrella, that's a place in Concord. Um, you know, I think there's a lot, there's so much talent to tap into here, but like physically we don't have a, like a music venue, right? That, so could, that could change though, right? Suzanne Cola, who knows? All right, so I know happens. you guys are talking about, but I'm telling you guys, I'm the, the, the restaurant, you know, with the stage and the, and the podcast, hey, you know, it, pod, it, pods it, and pints. Oh, Pods and pints, guys. That's what we're doing. Hey, listen. All right. Moving on. Make it happen. I love it. Make it happen. So, so speaking of communities caring for each other, uh, Suzanne, anybody who knows you and has been on social media knows what you've been up to um, with uh, with healthcare workers and hospitals and food. So, just tell us, you know, what's going on and what you've been up to and how's that going. Well, thank you. And that's again. Oh, it's crazy. It's taken on a life of its own. And selfishly, I've been so grateful because it's kept me busy and it's kept my mind in a really positive place. But so long story short, it's called Operation Feed the Soul. And I really appreciate you bringing it up. Um, And basically what happened was early on, I think it was end of March, I started seeing Diane Cohen down at the Minuteman Diner, you know, posting these beautiful family style trays and, you know, all these restaurants had to quickly pivot and I will say that could be a whole podcast about just how businesses have pivoted. And it's amazing how resourceful people are getting um, to, you know, keep their business going. But I noticed her doing that. And then I was worried about all my, you know, my doctor and nurse and hospital worker friends that were on the front lines. And I remember saying, OK, like, let, let's just do a sign up genius and everybody can just pick a hospital and pick a restaurant and they can order, you know, enough food for a shift, which is usually like 25 to 30 people. Uh, and that it'll be a win-win, right? Cause it'll help the local restaurant to stay open. And then it'll, it'll let the healthcare workers know that we really care about them. So quickly took off and became way more than a sign-up genius. So fast forward now to almost end of April. And I think we've done, Oh gosh, north of 7,000 meals to more than 25 hospitals from Boston to North Shore to Worcester, South Shore. Um, And it really has become this whole movement where um, people are donating money. And I'll tell you, talk about humanity and talk about, you know, it's, it's, it started in Bedford, it spread beyond that. So I want to give credit to all the different towns around here. And, um, but you know, it's people are so generous and some of the the donations I receive, I know the people personally, and I know that that's not easy for them to to donate that money when they're worried about their own family. So just the seeing the good in people through all this has made made it much easier on me personally. I'll tell you. So that's why I feel like it's like selfish, but it's been amazing. So we've I I think we received over forty plus thousand dollars, and that's you know literally it's like money comes in, money goes out. We get it 
you know, as out as quickly as we can to the local restaurants. We've got a 25 plus restaurants um, working with us. And, and again, the beauty of it is it's a win-win because the money's donated. Then we contact the local restaurant and, and, and I think there was some, um, some confusion that the restaurants were giving the um, food for free and that's not the case. You know, the case that what we want to do is give them the business. Most of them have stepped up and said, well, if you, if you order 25 meals, we'll give you five for free or we'll give you some money off, which has been beautiful, but that's not the, you know, we want to be funding them basically. And then the money, the, um, the meals get delivered directly to the local hospitals. And the fun thing about it, um, I, I call it like mission control, but it's, it's been, so grassroots that you know if, if you were just to call your local hospital or you know someplace in Boston say I want to bring food and it's like okay well let me have you talk to this person and you know understandably the hospitals are overwhelmed right we're not the only ones calling them trying to help them right so you have to kind of go through this whole process and it's it might not ever happen so what we're doing is we're we built this whole community and it's like, hey, MGH, here's my six nurses at MGH. You, as the people in the in the pit, you tell us what you need. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, this floor just got switched. They are really feeling it. Can you send them breakfast? So it's like we're having all these direct connections and this, like, you know, the food shows up. It gets, like, sent right up there. So it's been, you know, for better or worse, because I'm the kind of person, like, let's ask forgiveness, not permission, because if we waited for everybody to give us the blessing of yes you know, this and that, and it wouldn't happen. And I'm okay with that. Right. So, and, and just the, the thanks we've been getting, I've had nurses and doctors call me like in tears. Like if it wasn't for this hot food showing up, we wouldn't eat for 12 hours. And, you know, to me, it's like, you know, you have to keep these people not only nourished in their soul, but you know, keep them healthy because if they're not eating and they're not taking care of themselves and then they get run down and then they get sick, it's like the whole thing breaks down. So, you know, it's taken on a life of its own and it's been, you know, people keep saying to me, it makes me so proud to be from Bedford or, or Westford or, you know, wherever all these things are coming from. Um, and it's become a, a big thing. So we, we actually had a Bedford company reach out. They're going to give us a really healthy donation, which is like amazing because, the reality is we don't have not-for-profit status because, again, that would take months to do and we just we wouldn't be doing anything if we were waiting for that to happen, right? So it's just been out of the goodness of people's hearts that they're just donating money and now even this company, you know, they're just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. So, you know, my message to people now is as much as we've done and as fast and furious as it was, we basically ran out of money last week. So it's like, okay, like now we're getting more, you know, it's it's coming in again. We've got a big a big donation, so we want to keep it going because um, I think now is really you know unfortunately it's crucial. How can how can people support you? Is it is, is it Venmo? Is it sending people a check? How does it work? So yes, either one. Um, and thank you so much for asking. So reality is Venmo has a lot of limitations. Um, it's super easy, and we certainly will take that. It's um. My my handle is Suzanne S U Z A N N E dash Kohler K O L L E R dash one. Um, so that's super easy. But then they kind of lock you down, and you can't get the money out as quickly as you want to. So a lot of people have been sending checks, and that was super helpful. And that can just go to me um, at ninety Great Road. Bedford Mass, 0173. And, you know, we are looking into other things like can we attach ourselves to Rotary or BFC yep. or something else to, you know, and, and and I think there's some legs to this and maybe Dave, you and I can work on this too because, 
Um, Ferns Market over in Carlisle, Matt, the owner of that's been awesome. I mean, everybody's, everybody's been awesome. I could name every restaurant in Bedford that's completely stepped up. Um, but Matt, his family, I think, has some type of a foundation for something else. But he was saying that he thinks there's really, you know, we like, why stop this now, right? Because seven years ago, it was a marathon bombing, right? And all of a sudden, like, our hospitals were taxed, like, within a minute, you know, so it's like, there's all, unfortunately, there's always going to be a need. So I think long term, we'd love to have this be an ongoing thing where we can be continuing to show this gratitude and appreciation for people that are, you know, putting themselves on the front lines. Um, you know, there's been a, this will be near and dear to your heart, Dr. Geller, but you know, there's, I think once a day, we, at least we get somebody being like, I know it's not like the, you know, you're not, it's not Boston Medical or MGH, but can you make sure you're getting children to hospital because we have a person, you know, everybody seems to have a connection to them and appreciate how hard it is to work with pediatrics. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, I've, I've heard from a lot of my friends that there's, there's going to be some really, not to get deep, but long-term, almost like, um, post-traumatic stress on these doctors and nurses that are, you know, acting as surrogate family for these. It's heart, it's heartbreaking. So why, why stop it now when we could maybe build on this? I guess that's my goal. So. Yeah. I, I, I feel almost, I'm, um, minim, minimizing talking about the amazing work that you're doing. Um, you and I mean, you, you, especially everybody that that's, you know, that's working with you on this, you know, Dan and I had Joe Simon on, uh, last week, you know, she's an ER doctor, pediatric ER doctor, New Wellesley. And, and she was, you know, and, she, and I know that I've seen on the feed on, on, on your, on your Facebook feed. I mean, she, she told us how much she appreciated it. That's a personal story. I mean, there's so many personal stories. And there was a, there was a mom in the office last week who was a hemon works on hematology oncology at Children's Hospital. And we were just moving. I was seeing her, seeing her child. She was like, she's uh, talking about how, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, you know, our role, their role, especially, and, and in the hospitals and, you know, and, and, the, and just the risks that, you know, and what they're putting themselves through every day. And she was saying how great it was to receive these, this meal from this organization. I said, I said, that's, that's Suzanne Kohler. That, that's her group. I mean, that's right in Bedford. And she was so thankful and she was so touched. You know, this is really, I'm sure you're getting, I mean, that, that's just a personal story. It just kind of came up and you're reaching out hitting so many people and i think that that's a great point um i also see that you know i mean what you're talking about about, about keeping it moving forward because there's because there's a lot there's going to be a lot of there is already a lot of follow like we we're hearing i mean everybody's everybody has a connection some way to somebody at these hospitals on, on people on the front line and we're really hearing a lot of stories of the emotional toll it's taking on on these um all these providers nurses physicians you know uh, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, everybody who's there, you know, and it's a lot of stuff going on and, and how these little rays of light, um, you know, how much a meal means to someone, you know, because yeah. sometimes I remember, you know, Jill and I were talking about this with Dan as well. It's like some, sometimes you, you, these meals that you would, that you would get as a, as a resident or a doctor in the hospital in a, you know, late at night, it, it, it did feed your soul, you know, and, and you look forward to that. And, and um, you don't, sometimes you, you know, we always said you have to eat to treat, you know, and if you don't eat, which you forget to do when you're doing this, um, the work that they're doing, um, it, it takes another toll on you. So what you're doing is just a, a huge and immense. So that's so, I thank you so much. I mean, that is so awesome to hear that feedback because yeah, I mean, that's, and you know, it is, it's amazing what like a, a hot meal and some protein and just taking that minute to sit down and maybe they're sitting down with some of their colleagues and they're just feeling like 
they are not alone, that they're, they are so supported by, you know, by all of us that are, you know, feeling helpless. And I think that's the other thing too, is, you know, we all want to help and we feel like, oh my God, what can I do? So this has become this avenue for people to help. And my God, again, the humanity of it all. And, you know, and I would, I certainly want to say too, it's not just me, right? Like I had this little idea, but then there's people around me that are like, okay, we'll take that little idea and we'll make it into something so much bigger. So there's a huge village around the whole thing. And, you know, again, those that know me know I have a lot of shortfalls. A lot, one, one is, which is details and organization. So I'm kind of like, yeah, we'll figure it out later. And God bless them because they quickly got a, you know, we have this massive Google document going and it's like, you know, it is, it's like, it's like running a whole nother company and I could never do it by ever by myself. So, you know, it, it's just been, like I said, it's been, it's been a beautiful thing. And I love to hear, hear your direct feedback because that's, that's what we hope um, is that it's just, you know, it's connecting. And, and a lot of the people too are like, oh, wow, like we never heard of this restaurant in this other town and we're going to make sure we go there and we want to thank them. And they're getting these, um, Peppers just shared a nice email with me today that he got from a nurse that took the time to write him a personal email like that breakfast sandwich, you know, I left in tears and having that breakfast sandwich to like eat on my way home and not having to go to the grocery store in my scrubs and be looked at by, you know what I mean? Like there's a million different things. It's just crazy. So, um, so thank you. And thank you Bedford and beyond because it's just, it's like, wow, the community um, somebody said to me something that really struck me. They were like, I feel like this is going to be like something in Bedford history that, you know, like when they talk about this pandemic years down the road, like there was a small town that started this thing and it became this bigger thing. And, and that's like, that's what it's all about. Right. That community is why like I was saying to Ryan, like, you know, I'm just so glad that we live here and that we are so involved in town because, you know, and then when the tables turned and all of a sudden we were the ones that people were thinking about like, my God, the stuff that's, you know, the, the outpouring of support of people like I'm going to start to tear up, but it's been, it's been amazing. And that to me is, you know, that support, um, is just, it's, it, it, it heals you. It really, really does. So we are so, so lucky and we're fun. <laughs> right? Well, if, 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 if people had said like, who would better person to step up and do this? I think you would have been on the tip of everyone's tongue given your connections to the business community and the town and, and sort of your, your, your amazing soul and value. So, I mean, thank you for what you're doing because I mean, we're just so impressed. And um, how is that balancing out with like your job? Like how has your job changed and are you still selling houses or is, is, is it down? Are you hoping for a rebound? Like how's, what's the trend been for that? That's a great question. Thank you. So, so a couple things I would say again, because I'm very blessed to have a big team yep. that, you know, we, we have a really good process and we were saying, we did, thank God we have such a, you know, a, a documented process because when all of a sudden everybody's working from home and you kind of get out of your game, yep. it's really important to fall back on that. So we're very lucky and I've got people on the team that are helping, you know, with the business. Um, but yes, I mean, I, I actually will say, you know, for a couple weeks and probably, you know, mid to late March, it was pretty quiet and none of us knew, like there wasn't, it, it took a while. I, I would say our industry has been really good, uh, really good about adapting, but it kind of took a little while for like the word to come down. Like, do we cancel open houses? What do we do? How, what, what are we allowed to do or not? And we actually canceled open houses pretty early on because we just felt like I can't put my sellers or my agents or the buyers at risk. So we did stop that. But then again, it was like, right, like, what do we do now? So it was a little tough there for a couple of weeks, but 
the I'm happy to say that the past few weeks, so now we're you know getting into late April, the past couple of weeks, almost anything I've put on that's in an attractive price point, which for this area would be less than a million, it's selling. And it's selling pretty quickly and sometimes mm. multiple offers. So yeah, yeah. You no, know, so I think, you know, it, it, I, I read a great thing today and it was like if you know, if sellers still think that they can get a a high price like they would in February, maybe not. And if buyers think they're gonna get a deep, 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 deep discount, maybe not. So my job is gonna be how can I get people to to come together? Um but we were we went into this so strong with real estate. I mean it yeah. was hottest I've been in this business for 20 years now and it was the hottest I've seen it we had um, lowest inventory ever ever in Massachusetts we had low rates now they're obviously even lower yep. so you know my prediction is that you know every market is so unique so here in the greater Boston area we are very blessed knock on wood that a lot of our economy is fed by um, pretty stable industries healthcare education biotech, technology, um, et cetera. So I think I already feel that sort of pent up demand. Um, But to the same point, you know, again, I think everybody has to be realistic. Like none of us can predict exactly how and when we're going to come out of this and what it's going to look like. And um, so we're trying to be cautiously optimistic, but it's been interesting to see, like, again, even with, you know, so we're still doing showings, but we're doing them very carefully. We're following the CDC guidelines and, you know, now more than ever, technology is huge. Uh, Video tours, virtual 3D walkthroughs, floor plans, you know, neighborhood information, we do that all the time. So I felt very lucky that we already had all that in place. Um, so we'll see. But it's, it's you know, there's people, people need to move and they want to move. And I think, honestly, in some cases, people are going, maybe real estate's a really good investment because it's a little, you know, it's not going to fall overnight the way the stock market is, right? So we have a little bit more control over it. And interest rates, I mean, for this is a message for everybody. If you haven't refinanced, you absolutely yep. should. Yep. Yep. Um, I just did, yeah. <laughs> right? So we fought it for, like, Ryan's, like, way smarter than me. And he was always like, I don't want to add more, you know, years to our mortgage. And so we haven't, we have, we've owned our other old crazy house for, for 10 years. But we were able to refinance that and do a 20-year loan because he didn't want to add, he didn't want to go back to a 30-year loan. So we were able to go to a 20-year loan and save money and take some cash out if all goes well to fix the barn. But I don't know, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, see how it all pans out. Tell Ryan, tell Ryan just to pay it all off. Just get rid of that debt. Well, Suzanne, I I know if you know that, but Dave um, has framed barns before in Maine. So if you want some barn help. Party. Yeah, I hope I, I, I did that. I, I, if you need any welding done, I'm happy to take care of that for you. Yeah, no too. kidding. Welding? Ah, uh, that's a, a, a little, a little, little short time, but uh. Okay, so I have like a complete fascination with um, like metal work and iron work and. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we could do this in the future. Send up Jossie's a metalworking studio, Gallo. She'd love. Yeah, my daughter, my daughter's, my daughter's working with metalwork right now, and um, you know. That's her. That's what she does for art right now. For in college, she's uh, into, into Skidmore. What's, what's that? Isn't she a Skidmore? She's a Skidmore, exactly right. Yeah, but no, now she's home. But she's actually, um, yeah, she's into she's into uh, metalwork, um, with a blowtorch and other fine things. So it's uh, she's great so stuff. Cool. Yeah, very cool. And she's, she's also and she's also the one she used to ride as well, right? So yeah. the whole horse story, which I think you are you are dabbling in right now as well. 
Yes, indeed. And it's funny because who told me, I think I texted you that day because somebody was saying that they have a great um, equine major at Skidmore. Huge, huge. Yeah. They, they have a, if you ever want to see an amazing barn, it's not even a barn. It's like a, it's like a house for horses. It's, it's a barn. barn. It's so beautiful. I, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's worth the trip. And if, and if she's riding in that many years from now, um, and if you, and if you go there, you should fall in love with it in a second. And also there's, yeah, so she, yeah, it's something, something to, keep, to keep in mind in the future. And Saratoga Springs is a great area. It's good real estate there, too. No, well, it's a little I, bit less dense than Middlesex County, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. How, and, how are your kids doing with the remote learning, Suzanne? Um, not, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> not proud of it at all. Well, actually, I, I'm lying. I am proud of the kids. Yep. Um. But I mean, Ryan and I like, so he works, my husband works at Raytheon and it's been tough because he's been working from home, but he does yep. mechanical engineering. So it's like, you can't really like, you know, it, it's, it's hard. Yep. So we both come to the office here during the day and we both work from here and the kids are on their own. So God bless them. Cause G I think June's done a good job. Um, and then she kind of has to manage Wes and yep. we've actually been getting along. Like, and this was Ryan's brainchild. He's like, I think they're going to be, cause in 80 to 90% of the time, they want to kill each other and it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I think this could be this beautiful thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but they are like, they're, they're kind of forced to get along now. And you yep. helps Wes, Wes with his work. He's in first grade. So it's like easy, yep. but it was cute. Cause God bless Mrs. Kimball Dory. She was like, um, so we haven't really seen like, is Wes okay? And I was like, Oh, Oh God, I'm so sorry. So bottom line is it's up to the, it's up to them. Like we, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I, I know that they're staying engaged as best they can. And Mrs. Katie's been awesome. And well, KKD is my all time. I'm sorry. Not that I should say this. Like one of my all time favorite teachers we've ever had. Unbelievable. Best. Can you, Unbelievable. Can you, can you say that being the head of the one of the school committee guys? Well, I said you, one of my all time favorites. favorites. That's right. had a lot of options. Right. But she's, she's you love notch. her, Dr. Geller. She, she's, um, she has some aunt, like oh, oh, you love her. Yeah. she's so cool. And quick story about her. Um, Back in the fall for back to school night, I think I was traveling or something, so I couldn't go. So Ryan went, and I think there was, you know, an, an overzealous parent that was like, you know, what's your teaching style? And yes. we're, we're talking yes, there first, was. first grade, first grade. Yeah. And Mrs. K. Kitty goes, kids show up, I teach them. <laughs> like I read to them, I I nourish them. Like like seriously, we're in first grade. Like yeah, everyone back off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, like they just want she she just wants them to love you know love learning and love being in school and and she's been so um, I mean what we all just love her so we've been and, and yeah so that, and that story really I mean we were talking about earlier the the parents that come in when the kid is seven or eight and says to the first and second grade teacher I need to see your STEM standards for first and second grade like to me like that's just not. No. A question I want asked and answered in Bedford. In some towns, they'd be like, "Yeah, like show me your second grade STEM standards." So, like, God bless K. Katie for saying, "You know what? Calm down." You know right. what I mean? And oh, I remember, like, I remember I was on the Lane School Committee when we said, "Take off the letter grades for third grade." Like, what are we doing? And there was this fear, like, people would be pissed. But actually, everyone understood why bother. But in some towns, they'd be like, "What do you mean my kid can't get an A in fourth grade?" Then they right. would go to MIT. Stop yeah. that and go live somewhere else, please. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, exactly. Again, I think it's like when, especially when they're little, it's about the whole kid and it's about, yeah. you know, like, and I, and I will say this, and I know I'm probably going to make some people upset because I know everybody's situations are different, but I played soccer out in my yard with Wes. I mean, he is, I got to say, he's 
it's pretty good. But he's like wearing circles around me. But for like 45 minutes yesterday, I'm like, I'm like sweating. I'm like, I'm like, give mom a break, you know? But but I was almost like, I almost put up a post like, thank you, COVID, because normally this time of year, I'm working like, you know, 80,000 hours a day. And I think a lot of us do that. Like we just, we at least get into this thing, right? So I've actually been like, we're spending so much time. We've gotten into Clue recently. Like, yeah. So, so, so if you can try to look at the positive, and again, I am not saying it's easy for anybody. Um, I know a lot of people with, you know, kids with special needs that it, it, when, when you're, when you need a routine and you crave a routine and all of a sudden that's gone, that is really, really, really hard for people. I'm not trying to diminish that like at all, but I think if you can find these like silver lining moments, you know, it's like where I, so, so I was saying to KKD, I'm like, you know what? So we're not as, as strong on, you know, the Zoom calls and stuff as, as I would like to be. Um, we're doing the best we can like everybody else. But I'm like, yep. yes, we went on a nature walk and we give, we, we're like, here, find an oak tree, find a this, find a frog. Yep. Like, so we're doing a different type of education and, and I'm okay with that. And I think that's, I, I think that even through the challenges of this, that a lot of kids are going to remember this. Like, remember that time when we had family dinners, yep. you know, five yep. nights a week? And I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you, Suzanne. And I think, yeah, the, I will say, my, I think, listen, this is all encapsulated in the tremendous amount of privilege that we have to be, be able to stay at home most of the time and not, exactly. and like, yes, yes, all of that. Yes. But, you know, yeah. um, We're very lucky. Our, our usual spring is just nonstop activities with all the kids and all the sports and all the coaching and all of the stress. And in most ways, I'm not complaining too hard about not having, it. I do feel bad from eighth grader yeah. whose play was canceled, whose DC trip was canceled, yeah. who's not going to get an eighth grade graduation. The rest of them, like in the context of what they're going through and absent, like, Oh yeah, there's no dance recital. It's, it's, it's okay. And like the, the number, the amount of family time, the amount of hiking, the just the time we have to enjoy each other in the context of all this crap, like it's, it's going to be fine. Right. So yeah. I, I see it like you do, like everything's okay. We're going to come out of it hopefully by September. It's going to be in July and like, we'll pick it all up and, and reboot. I'm going to the computer now. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, no, sorry. Like, what? Just kidding. Yeah. How no, about you, Geller? Are you feeling the same way, Dave? Yeah, no, I think, you know, I, yeah, I think we're in this for a little bit longer haul. I'm just, I'm just thinking back, you know, someone who's taking a lot, you, you've taken a lot of hikes down with your family. Right. And, and, uh, and although, although you know, so you can call it, you call it a hike, or you can call it education, right? Whatever you want to call it, but it's uh, sanity. It's, it's all, it's it's sanity. All, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good family time right now. Yeah, I um, know. Yeah, I didn't talk about these teachers. I'm always asking kids in the office, you know, who, you know, who's your teacher, and and all these names pop up that you're mentioning, and I've never met a lot of these teachers, but they're all they all come with really high high reviews yeah. and high regards from from parents and and the kids. I mean, it made a huge impact on them. Yeah, no, I mean, God, God bless teachers because, I mean, I would say as, you know, all that, you know, rosy stuff we just said about being home, but I think the challenge for, you know, picture our teachers, right? So they have kids of their own. They're trying to teach our kids and teach their kids. And that's, I think, like where the gut check is, is, you know, I have a friend that has four kids and, you know, they're both the parents are working full time and then trying to, they're like, there's a Zoom call every two hours, you know. So, so again, it there are a lot of challenges, no doubt about it. But I also think, you know what? It's a time to give yourself a break and just be like, I yeah. can't. Like, you can only do what you can do. You can shine where you can shine, and then you can just be realistic where you're realistic. And like, and and some, you know, I think we've all had a lot of bad days too, right? So I've had certain days where I'm just like, oh my god, like it just hits me like a ton of bricks and. 
I I can't talk to anybody, and I'm like, I just need the data, like, like what, like you know, this, like on what was it Tuesday when they announced no school? Because this is where the downside of Susie Sunshine is, because I'm like, oh, it's fine, Neil. We'll be back to school May 4th, and then, you know, I don't prepare myself for the crashing reality, and I was like, what? Susan, it's Susan, Susan down, Susan, Susan, no sunshine, Susan, yeah. uh, hazy, overcast day. So I was, so just going back to the school thing. So I'm just, I'm just thinking, I'm still, I'm. I'm stuck on the 93 prom or whatever that was that, that Dan came. 96, to. baby. So, 96. Not so, that old. So, 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 so two questions. One, you know, your parents, you know, you know, you know, being in Bedford right, way back then and simple, small community. How do they feel about a Belmont dude crashing the Bedford prom? Oh, Second, who, what was the big song back then? What was the big slow dance song? Was it a band DJ? What was going on back then? That's a really, the, really good question. Queen? So for, first of all, the, the, the impact the impact of me showing up in Bedford was negligible because it was a, it was a tiny ripple in, the, in a big prom. But the 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 songs I remember from the proms of ninety five ninety six and so again you can check me on this. I vividly remember California Love playing twice. Oh. And my senior prom they played it twice. Everybody freaked out because that was like Tupac and I forget it was a yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was I remember oh, um, no di- no diggity was a pretty big one too. Or Taggy, um, like, Mr. Loverman. That was also a pretty popular '96. But again, <laughs> but, but, you know, we, I mean, but Susan, you and I also probably grew up with the last song at the middle school dances was always "Stairway to Heaven." Always, always, right? Always. And, that, and then, and like, and then, like, the ironic songs they played. Other things were like they played a lot of Meatloaf, a lot of Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Yeah, they played a lot of like anthems like "Forever Young," it would like echo through the room in the courtyard, like "Forever Young," "I Wanna Be," and that sort of yeah, situation. I don't, think, I don't think Bedford was into, unfortunately, because that's a great song. But I remember "Journey." Oh, like, a lot of "Journey," yeah. Let's go down in the city. Like I yeah. think the whole like junior prom was like yeah. we decorated the whole um right. as as like the city and the lights and all that. Um, so definitely a, a, lot, a lot of journey. Um, but just to, so you feel better about yourself, I mean, I brought a kid from Canton. Nobody, oh, nice. Nobody from Bedford liked me back then, okay? Uh, that's probably not true. Thanks, guy. Um, well, I mean, as I told you a few weeks ago, so I, that, the Bedford was the third of the three proms I did. I went to Belmont uh, High School prom. I went to Bedford. I also went to the Randolph, speaking of the South Shore. I went to the Randolph High School senior prom that year also. You should so, make Rounds again and just put yourself out there. It's like not going to be happening. The Randolph prom was like at, at Vincent's and that restaurant off of, off of like Route 28. I'm like, what yes. are you doing here? You know, Lombardo's or whatever. Like, I mean, that. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was it was a good time. Probably the same tux to all three of them. I mean, you you guys you guys are all talking those songs. It's like watching the reruns of Cheers for you guys. Those those when those I was in my, in my dances. Those were the original times they came out. You know, Probably. Journey. And- so what, so what was your like last song in middle school day? What was that? In middle, in middle, I wasn't going to dance in middle school. Too. There we go. They were, they were like tapping the maple trees and stuff. I was I was home playing with my Legos. I think I wasn't oh, going to. Uh, oh well, actually, this this is germane to our talk from from Friday, Dave. Suzanne, did they make you take square dancing in PE around here? Yes, yes. They were like, um, oh my god, Dosi, do your partner. Right, right. Because I I had square dancing, and Dave's oh, like, what are you talking about? I, I assume they did it in Maine, but they didn't do it in Maine. I'm you glad that Bedford did it also. No offense, Dave, but you'd have like a barn thing and you'd be like, do do We had Mr. Kulovich. This is going to go back in Bedford. Oh, my God. And he, if you could, if you could type cast, like if you go, went to Central Cast, and you're like, I need a gym teacher. <laughs> it was, it was that guy. 
he had like the whistle and like the pants and everything. Oh, and we had the best thing was when they bring out the scooters. Did you guys have those? It oh, was like a dance or gym class. It was a little, no, it, it was a little, yes, it was like a, a small, it was like the bottom of like a mop bucket. It was like yeah, yeah. wheels yeah. on a plastic thing and you would like scoot all around on them. Yep. That yep. was the highlight, as was square dancing, as was Mr. Kulovich used to play putting on the Ritz. Dun, 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 and you had a hula hoop. Get out. Yep. And then when the ropes came out, you were like, I hate gym class. Oh, I sucked at the ropes. Oh, I was so bad. What at the ropes? Dave, were you a rope climber? Uh, in in middle school, I was not a rope climber. I, I we should have that 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 presidential fitness test, right? And, and, oh. and any, any of those things, like I think I did, I did one pull up and like four push ups. Uh, I, I was a rope climber later in life, I think, but not. Oh, not I, I was school. I was a terrible climber. I'm like I'm done. Nope, not I'm not gonna hit the first knot. No, thank you. <laughs> it was just like you had to pretend to try, and then you're like, oh. or how about um bombardment? Did you guys both? Play oh, that? for sure, bombardment. Oh, oh yeah. I love that. Love that. Okay, so hey, future idea: adult recess. I think we need more of that. So Do say right now. Twelve thirty on the common. Like we could all meet and play bombardment, crack the whip. Um, <laughs> Red Red Rover, play some Red, Red Rover, Rover, right? All right. Well, I think Susan, I think for the for the next like tree lighting or summer solstice, like let's have the snow flying at Suzanne's office and bombardment happening across the street under Santa and the, and the fire truck. Does that, that make sense to you? That ties it all together. And one last thing, yeah. there was at least at Davis School with Mr. Kulovich, there was this little. So you had like all the bombardment balls, like yeah. regular right size. And then there was this little tiny black ball that hurt like a son of a, you know what? And there was always one or two kids that would just get it and they would just whip it at you so hard. And you'd be like, oh. All right, so who, who are the gym class bullies, Suzanne? Who are anybody that we know? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I really think one of them went on to become like a professional boxer. No, no oh, okay. lie. <laughs> Steve DeBerne. <clears throat> Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Good. All right, well, listen, I think after chasing down this pod for, for it feels like the entire quarantine, I think it exceeded all expectations. So what, what a wonderful way to spend about 70 minutes regaling us with tales of, uh, of prom and quarantine and real estate and uh, all that incredible work. So, Suzanne, thank you for making the time. That was amazing. I kind of want to keep talking. I'm like just getting going. You shutting me off? Are you shutting me off? Like the so, yeah, yeah. This is like Tuscan Kitchen from the um and the podcast. So, but we're gonna do it again though. We're gonna do it again when this is all over. Hopefully, very soon. But maybe you know maybe before. Or this isn't for a while. We're gonna do it before. No, we're gonna we're, we're gonna get in the pod. We're gonna get Susan on the hot mic. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be. It's gonna be uh, Who's the Susan speaker? <laughs> <laughs> it's the accent. I think he meant to say something else. <laughs> He's like in Maine, we call people everybody Sue. Brosgel bra, and and Susan, not Broskel and, and Suzanne. Yeah, we, love you, we love you, Dr. Gella. All right, so All right. another plug, another plug for Suzanne. If you want to help support Operation Feed the Soul, you can drop her a check at 90 Great Road in Bedford or Venmo or Suzanne Kohler One to support that incredible work. And obviously, you look on Facebook for updates and. Time for if you can be helpful at all. Thank um, you. As far as this podcast goes, please like, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please uh, enjoy Joey Freeman's music, both on the intro and outro, also on SoundCloud and Spotify. And those are all my PSAs, Dave, before I let you have the last word. Uh, this is great. You know, great way to start our week, Suzanne. Right. Um, in Brosgall. <laughs> um, 
you guys are great. You know, I'm, I'm actually sitting here. On, we're sitting here on Skype, not in the studio. And I'm looking at I'm looking at um, blonde Suzanne and pseudo blonde fading from brown <laughs> That's right. Dan Brosco, who's, who's coming off a dye job. So next time we see you, Dan, I'm looking for more brown. And you want me uh, to go? You want me to go the color direction? Or you want me to go back to my original form? What do you want me to do? I'll go. I'll go blonde if you want. I want you to go blonde. I want you to go to Wiffle. I want a Wiffle. Wiffle's boring. I want to, I want to like bleach, you know what I mean? Real quick, I talk, going back in time. Remember when people had like the like the razor cuts on the side and the little the little tail with the braid? You should uh, do that. Yeah. That's so like my, my, my buddy Jeff right my buddy Jeff my buddy Jeff Firester from Middletown, New York had a, a rat tail all the way down and like all this like this, this disgusting like New York accent. I'm like, you you're like, what are you doing, man? Cut that out. Let's Ugh. bring it back. Let's show let's the not, let's, leave, let's leave that in the Smithsonian and not break it down again. But these things are cyclical, so who knows? Right? Exactly. But this has All been right. so much fun, you guys. Thank you so much. Now I'll continue to finish my treehouse beer by myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, well uh, stay home and be safe, Dave. Drive home safe. We'll talk again. And um, yeah. hope, we have another, hope we have another three podcast week, Ella. We'll see what happens. All right. You guys take care. Thank you so much. Happy Sunday. Work. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll talk again soon. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Ciao. What Do We Know is written by Dan Broskell and Dave Geller and produced by Julie Manugian at Lex Media in Lexington, Massachusetts. Our theme music is written by Joey Freeman. Joey's work can be found on SoundCloud and Spotify. See you next time.